0: Today's scripture reading comes from Proverbs chapter 8. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way and the crossroads she takes her stand, beside the gate in the front of town, at the entrance of the portal she cries aloud, to you, O man I call, and my cry is to the children of men. O simple ones, learn prudence, O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. I wisdom dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. By me, the kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old, when he assigns to the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhibited world and delighting in the children of men. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways, Hear instructions and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me, finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who, fa- but he who fails to find me, injures himself. All who hate me, love death.
1: Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Elena. Now you can be seated. <laughs> that uh, proverb is uh, known, as we'll see in a second, as Lady, lady Wisdom, because it's a, a, a personification of... And just to hear Alina read that is powerful. Thank you, Alina. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you uh, now for the chance to worship through your word. Lord, we know that uh, your word is true and right and just and holy, and God, we confess that we are foolish. We are sinful, we are prideful, we're arrogant. We are in desperate need uh, for your spirit to speak into our lives. God, we pray uh, that your word would be made real to us, that as a a two-edged sword it would pierce deep into our lives and it would call us out, call out our sin, and call us instead uh, to repentance and to faith and to seek you today and to seek your wisdom. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I wonder if you've ever tried to notice how many decisions you make every day. We make countless decisions all the time. If you Google that, uh, you're gonna come up with a number that's quoted all over the place that we make 35,000 decisions every day. And I just don't buy it. Because that would be one every like one and a half to two seconds you're awake. So that number seems inflated, but everywhere across Google they'll tell you that. But the point is still taken. You make countless decisions every day. Last night, you decided what time to set your alarm for. This morning, you decided how many times to snooze it. Then you decided whether to brush your teeth first or shower first. You decided what to go about your morning routine. You decided what order to wake up the kids and what to do with the kids first. You decided what shirt to wear. You decided all kinds of things, and it's only 10.53 in the morning, right? You've made so many decisions, including the choice to come here or to watch us online. You've made so many decisions already today, and there are so many more decisions still to come. If you uh, think about those decisions, some of them are, are trivial. Like, I think you look, you look beautiful today. You look very well put together. If you'd have chosen a different color shirt today, like, the world would still keep spinning on its axis. You know, most of our, a lot, not most, a lot of our decisions are just kind of trivial, everyday, mundane, meaningless things. Many of those things that kind of seem trivial that are, are kind of small, they, they do matter and they add up, especially as you do them habitually. So whether or not you brush your teeth tonight uh, is probably not a major life altering decision. But if you decide to make that decision every day to not brush your teeth, well, there's going to be some consequences for that kind of habitual decision, right? So some of them are trivial, some of them are habitual and they kind of change as you go. Uh, some of our decisions are moral decisions. Like there is a, a clear right and wrong in the decisions that you make. So deciding whether or not to to steal something, even though you know you could get away with it, that's a moral decision, a moral right and wrong. It, it's a, a moral decision whether to, to fudge some numbers at work or to, to gossip or talk behind somebody's back or, or or to kind of slander somebody online or something. Those are moral decisions we make. Other decisions we make are not really moral per se, but they are are bigger decisions that kind of determine uh, the future, determine where we're we're headed to some degree or another. They may not be right or wrong, they're just kind of like up or down, left or right. Like I remember wrestling with the decision of whether or not to ask this girl Amber out on a date. And and I was called by many and have been since then later uh, foolish for being slow to make that decision. But in and of itself, whether or not to ask somebody on a date is not a, may not be a moral decision. Now, of course, there are certain people that it would be immoral. To, you know you know. What I'm getting. But like, in and of itself, it could be a neutral decision, but it does have huge ramifications for your life of which way you go. I remember wrestling with what to do after high school, and I came up here to visit Wofford. I visited Auburn. I visited Birmingham Southern. None of those are immoral for me to go to. It was just a left or right, up, down, which way... Are we going to go? We did the same thing. We wrestled with seminary. Gordon Commonwealth where I went. I visited a whole bunch of other places. I had a, a decision to make about whether or not to give my resume to this guy named Alex Cook, who I kind of knew from Infinity Church, and that wasn't, you know, a moral necessity. I had to discern that, but it wasn't immoral one way or the other. Many of our decisions like that are, are kind of life-altering decisions but they are not necessarily right or wrong. They're just different. And we have to discern the difference. You make countless of those decisions over your lifetime. There may be decisions about your your family, about school, about spouse, about children, about all kinds of things, buying a house, buying a car. We make so many decisions throughout our life. You make decisions about your budget, how to spend your money. You make decisions about your time, where to invest your free time, where where to spend extra time you have or extra money. You may invest in friendships or family, et cetera. You get the idea. Every course of your, every moment in your life, every hour, every minute, you are making decisions. So let me ask you this about all those decisions. What factors in? Who who are you listening to? What what is the the determining principle and how you make those decisions? And it's gonna be a little bit different depending on the kind of decision. Like You're not gonna stress too much about brushing your teeth tonight. But to the important decisions in life, what factors in to those decisions? Who, who has influence on the most important decisions in your life? Today, what I, I want to suggest to you about the important decisions and your habitual decisions, every significant decision, is this is who you should be listening to. You should be listening to wisdom. Listen to wisdom. That's the theme of Proverbs chapter 8. It's the theme of Proverbs. All together, and wisdom is how we make the most important decisions. Not every decision is clear and cut and dry, but wisdom is how we discern which way to go. You and I all we all need wisdom. Wisdom can be, uh, include a lot of different things, can it? Sometimes wisdom is about knowledge, about information, about stuff you know. The more you have more information you have about something, The more you can, the better you can make that decision. And so, wisdom sometimes includes knowledge. Sometimes it's about a a certain skill or trade that you're you're a wise carpenter. You're you're good with your hands. There's some wisdom that comes with that. Wisdom can be about navigating the ups and downs of life, the circumstances that change, and and figuring out how to wisely navigate all those different paths. Sometimes wisdom is is about reading people. We say that when people are good with people, they're wise and. In the way they interact with others, they can read and and follow the situation, understand what's going on. Wisdom about is about knowing about what's best, not just for yourself, but for everybody. Making the wise decision for the sake of all those who are affected. That takes wisdom to know how the decision affects not just you, but other people. Wisdom is also the difference between right and wrong. It's wise to be able to, to discern when something is moral and when it's immoral. So it takes discernment, that's part of wisdom. Wisdom is also the courage to choose the right thing even when it's harder than the wrong thing. All that is involved in wisdom. And if that's all and plenty more involved in wisdom, that's hard, isn't it? Wisdom is not easy, it's not simple. You're not born immediately with all the wisdom you need in life. Wisdom comes over time. And thankfully, God's Word has given us a pretty strong, pretty incredible guide to wisdom. Really, the entire Bible uh, is about shaping you and shaping you to be more like Christ and, and will make you wise. But there are some books of the Bible that are especially focused on wisdom. The most prominent one, the most uh, significant one that we, we think of, that we, we think of the most, is the book of Proverbs. And so this summer, we're going to spend a fair amount of time in the book of Proverbs. And I want to make just a a side note here that if you've been around Infinity or maybe if you're new to Infinity, uh, about how we choose things like where we're going over the summer. If you were here this last summer, we were in the Old Testament. We were in Psalms. Last fall, we studied the first half of the Gospel of Mark. We started this year off doing the New Testament letter of Titus. We preached Easter out of 1 Peter 5, which is a letter in the New Testament, just like Titus is. Then the last seven weeks, we've been in the, the book of Revelation, the two, chapter 2 and chapter 3 in Revelation, the New Testament. And now we're coming to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And so what we're doing is we're, I'm preaching expository sermons. That means I'm exposing God's Word to you. I'm not making stuff up. I'm not just giving you my thoughts, because we all know that would be pretty useless. I'm giving you the Word of God. That's all I want to give you, exposing, expository preaching. And my commitment is to a regular, steady diet across all of Scripture. That is what I think shapes us the best way possible. And so it's been since last summer, since we've been in the Old Testament for very long, and so that's why we're coming back here to the Old Testament, and specifically to the book of Proverbs. You're probably at least a, from, a little bit familiar with Proverbs. It is mostly written by King Solomon. But as you go through, as you're reading a chapter a day, each day this month, you're going to find some places where they are, different people contributed uh, to the book of proverbs and all the way through from all the way to proverbs it has a very clear purpose proverbs 1 starts the proverbs of solomon son of david king of israel to know wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight so the whole goal of proverbs the reason why solomon wrote this down and he's probably accumulated this from other sources the parts that are written by other people is he wants to pass along wisdom and instruction he wants to give wisdom to his son and to the next generation and the idea is he would pass this on even down to us and the purpose of that the way the way that is found how that wisdom comes is not just by by seeking things out there in the world no it comes in the fear of the Lord that phrase comes over and over in Proverbs like our memory verse for this month 9 chapter 9 verse 10 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom so Proverbs is about wisdom that comes from God. I don't know what decisions you have before you. I don't know what path uh, you've got to choose over the summer, or in the next few weeks, the next few months, but I, I know what you need to make that decision. You and I, we all need wisdom from the Lord. If we seek wisdom anywhere else, it's not true wisdom. And if we're not seeking wisdom, if we're just kind of making the decision based on whatever else, is going, then we're going to be led all kinds of, different directions. We all need this. We need wisdom from the Lord. So Lord willing, we're going to go through Proverbs and we're going to go through it in themes because it'll be a little easier for us to study that way. And today, what I want to take is this most prominent theme that we'll see this all the way through, but the study of wisdom. What, what is wisdom? So I chose Proverbs 8 because it's kind of the longest sustained passage in Proverbs about one theme, the theme of wisdom. It's known as the lady wisdom because she's personified. This woman who is speaking to us, verse 1, does not wisdom call, does not understanding raise her voice. So we picture this woman who's calling out and she's got something to tell us. And it's an invitation to wisdom. Verse 5 and 6 both tell us to learn. Verse 6 tells us to hear. And at the end it says in verse 32, listen to me, hear my instructions, verse 33. So the goal is simple. The simple, simple. How hard could it be? Very hard. The goal is to get us to listen. Isn't that hard? It is so hard to listen. I don't know about you, but I like talking. Like that's what I'm doing right now. I like talking. We all like talking. We like sharing our stories. Our kids, when they come home from school, it's like woo, 90 miles an hour. I get the entire day summarized in three minutes, and then they don't want to talk to me anymore, right? But for three minutes, I can't get a word in. They're going to talk to me. Maybe you come home from work and you're the talk talk talker. Maybe you come home from work and your spouse is the talk talk talk. You know, we like to talk, but God's word calls us to something else here—to listen, to listen. You and I may have ears to hear, as as we read in uh, Revelation two and three. Let the Spirit, uh, let those who hear, uh, what the, those who hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hearing is is different than listening. We we may have ears to hear, but we have to actually. Slow down and listen. Slow down and hear what wisdom has to say. Proverbs is all about that. And Proverbs chapter 8 is this poem, this this, this kind of a lecture written in a very poetic way. And it's all geared toward that. So that's what I want you to do today. That's what I want you to take away today is a commitment to, to listening to wisdom, to discerning wisdom, to having the courage to actually follow the wise path as you're listening to what it has to say. So I've listed in your in five points that are all geared toward motivating you to listen to wisdom. The first and the last are about that invitation and the the middle three uh, are about characteristics of wisdom. So that first one is this, all are invited to wisdom. Verse two says, on the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud to you, Oh, men, I call. So it's, it's all the way for describing. She's calling out to us. She is trying to get our attention. And she's going to all different places. She goes to a crossroads, to the gates, to the heights, to the entrance. She, she's going all over the place to try to get our attention. She is trying to tell us, listen. And she's trying to get us to pay attention. It is so helpful and encouraging to know that we are not left on our own to find wisdom. We're not just seeking as blind people in the night. We, wisdom is seeking us. God is coming to us. And that reminds us of what we read later on in the Bible, doesn't it? 1 Corinthians 1.30 connects wisdom to Jesus, the person of Christ himself. It says Jesus, 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Jesus is the wisdom of God. And how did we know Jesus? We didn't go find him. He found us. He came to us. And that's the picture of Revelation. I mean, of just got out of Revelation. Proverbs chapter 8. Lady Wisdom is seeking us out. You are in church today. You chose to come here today. But if you look back over your life, you realize the reason why you want to do this is because God's pulling you, isn't he? He's pulling you to himself. God God has given us His Word, and He is is seeking you. He's trying to find you. Wisdom is seeking us so that we can know who God is. He's willing. God's willing. He's sending wisdom to all kinds of different places and to all different kinds of people. Listen to verse 5. He says, O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. This is really encouraging to me because I'm very (laughs) simple-minded. If wisdom was left only to the scholars, if wisdom was only for the ivory tower, only for the people with the really high IQs or the really ho- high EQs, emotional quotient, or whatever it is, you know, if, God, if, if wisdom was relegated to only the, the top 1% of whatever, I wouldn't have it. Like I would not have wisdom. I, I have beat my head against the wall the number of times I've made the same mistakes over and over again, the number of times I've said, I, I've learned this lesson before. Why am I still here? I am simple-minded. I am foolish. And God says, you, you don't have to stay that way. God's wisdom is coming out to the fool. It's coming to the simple-minded. And he says, you, you don't have to stay that way. God can shape you and grow you in wisdom. You and I are not excluded from wisdom. If we don't have the highest IQ or the highest, or the most amount of money or, or whatever else top 1% there is, it's not, the wisdom is not left to just them wisdom is available to all kinds of different people no one has to stay a fool we are all invited to wisdom that's the encouragement that's the invitation to listen because it's available to everybody and from there wisdom begins to describe herself for why you would want this wisdom as she's coming out to us and she's calling us to listen to hear why why do we want to pay attention to this well the first reason is that wisdom is right Wisdom is right. Listen to the, if you read verses 6 to 9 and 12 to 13, Lady Wisdom gives a whole bunch of kind of synonyms for wisdom. And they're all about good things, about good things. It uses words like knowledge, right, truth, righteous, straight path, prudence, discretion. And and the point is that what's right and what's wise are the same thing. And that's what we said a minute ago. When some decisions are between good and evil, between right and wrong, Wisdom is always on the path of the right, always on the path of the righteous. He uses, she, Lady Wisdom, writes the opposite things about things that are not wise. He talks about the wicked. Uh, The wisdom is never wicked or twisted or crooked words. It's never prideful or arrogant. It's not perverted speech. What's wrong is always what's foolish. And what's right in the book of Proverbs is always what's wise. To seek wisdom is to seek holiness. Part, Part of what's uh, what it means to discern the wise path is to discern the difference between right and wrong and to have the courage to pick the right path even when it's the harder path. We, we see that clearly, you know, you look around the world today, everybody wants to change the, change the definition of right and wrong, right? Everybody has their own version of what's right and wrong. We don't get to set what's right and wrong. God did that. God's the one who's the author of truth. God's the one who decides the difference between right and wrong. Our job is to grow in wisdom so we can discern the difference. So that we know what's the right path and what's the foolish, the wrong, the unrighteous path. And he calls us to listen to wisdom because wisdom is right. And if you've got a decision before you, it can be so easy to look at the two options. In our heart, we, we, we are tempted. We want the thing that's bad. Many times we want the things bad and we can begin to justify it in our minds and to to make up excuses and say this bad thing this unholy thing is good in this case because and we make up our own reason and it's our way of choosing the foolish path and trying to describe trying to call the unholy thing holy God says no no no. (laughs) there's a right and a wrong it's clear and many times the decisions we make we're the ones that put a a, a fog in between us and those decisions that God's word pierces the fog and says wrong, right, wise is choosing the right path. That is one clear characteristics of wisdom. Another is that wisdom is valuable. William, wisdom is not just right, it's also valuable. It is better than money or material blessings. Verse ten, eleven, she says, Lady Wisdom says, take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. If, if this afternoon, somehow you became 100% convinced, and you're right, that, that in your backyard is a buried treasure of gold and silver and precious jewels, you would dig it up. <laughs> Like, it didn't matter what it took. You would find whatever shovel you got. You'd call whatever connection you had. Somebody's got an excavator. You were digging up your backyard. Even if your grass looks like Travis Spain's, you are digging it up. Because you're going to get that treasure. It's valuable, isn't it? If somebody offered you a pay raise, if you'll perform this way at work, if somebody offered you a bonus in your job, if your sales numbers reached this level, If somebody offered you a job that required your family to to pick up and move somewhere, there's probably a number value that would convince you to uproot your entire family and move somewhere else. You may say it's a very high number, but there's probably a number. You've probably made decisions and done difficult things in life that are financially motivated. That's that's not evil. You, You can choose to do things that make more money. That's okay. That's a good thing. And God's saying there's something even better than that. There's something even better than digging for treasure. There's something even more valuable. M- money motivates us. Wisdom should motivate us even more. Wisdom is more valuable than all the treasures of the world. Listen, we've we've seen the news headlines when this happens. We, we know how it could happen. Y- you could have all the stuff. You could have the biggest houses, one at the lake and at the beach. You could have, you could have all kinds of things. You could have yachts and whatever else. And yet With a lack of wisdom, throw away a relationship with a spouse. Not be connected and not love your kids well. To unwisely and foolishly give away things that you later realize are far more valuable than all this stuff. We we know this, that wisdom is better than treasures. But do we really seek it that way? Do we really listen to wisdom more than we listen to the things of the world? And he says, and we'll see this, we'll study this at some point through Proverbs this summer, that the the wise are actually more likely to flourish. You're you're more likely to actually make money if you're seeking wisdom than if you're not. Verse 18, riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. Being wise in your business, in your job, making good decisions is more likely than being foolish to make money, right? Like if you are foolish in your job, it's probably not going to go well for you. Wisdom is a good thing, it can be financially beneficial. But here's the thing about that, about about the way wisdom works here. If we're seeking the financial benefits as an end in itself, then it's never gonna live up to what we need it to be. He says seek wisdom, let the financial fallout be a byproduct. Let, let, Let wisdom be the goal. And if God chooses to bless you in the process, so be it. Tim Keller, I love what he says about this, success is a gift we ought not take credit for. So if you're, if you're succeeding, if, it's, if you're making wise decisions and it's financially beneficial to you, don't take credit for that. It's all God. God has given you a gift as you sought wisdom and God gets the glory. And he also says this, because if you're, if you're, the problem with success sometimes is that, okay, we got some success and now we start to take credit for it and now we get, forget to, we lose wisdom in the process. We gotta seek wisdom and let success be its own thing. Tim Keller says moral character is to success what the safety on a gun is is, is what the safety is to a gun. Moral character keeps you from accidentally shooting yourself in the foot when you've got success. You, You may have success, but if you don't have a safety, you might take yourself down with that very success. Success can ruin people, our character, our wisdom. That's what's valuable. That's what matters more. And if we're gonna be wise, we're not, we, we seek that wisdom because that's, that's how we lead. Verses 14 through 16 describe this wise counsel. If you're going to make decisions, you need wise counselors. And verse 15 and 16 describe kings and rulers and prince and nobles. All of them, the way they do their job best is if they have wisdom. You and I may not be kings, but we probably have some form of leadership in our lives. Maybe you're a leader at work. We have leaders that are teaching in our church right now. We have uh, leaders, you, you may lead uh, in your family, in your home, whatever else. You have a form of leadership. The way you're going to lead well is by wisdom, by wisdom. If you are foolish, you will not be able to lead well. Listen to wisdom because wisdom is valuable. You'll be a good leader. People will respect you and honor you. You will have an honorable name if you seek wisdom. In this poem, this, this speech, Proverb 8, turns this beautiful section in verse 22. She describes wisdom as right, as valuable. And then she goes back to the very beginning of creation to tell us where wisdom comes from. In this this section, starting in verse 22, God created the world in wisdom. God created the whole world in wisdom. We, We should listen to wisdom because she's ancient. She is ancient. She has seen it all. Verse 22, the Lord possessed me. So that's wisdom talking. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts from old. Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. This, this reminds us of Genesis 1 and 2 as God is speaking the world into existence and Proverbs is saying wisdom was right there at the beginning. God created the world in wisdom. Verse 27, when he established the heavens, I was there. She goes on to describe the way that God formed the sky and the sea and the mountains and the spring. And she's saying the way that God created all those things was that God wove his his wisdom, his structure and his order into the very fabric of creation. That our world is not a world of chaos. Our sin brings chaos. We bring destruction, but God has made the world in His perfect order and peace and wisdom. It is wisdom. If, if God had not made the world an ordered place, then you couldn't count on anything, right? It's an ordered place that every single time I drop my keys, gravity works, right? Every 24 hours, the earth spins. Every 365.25 days, the world goes around the earth, right? God created this order and this structure Because he is wise. He's woven it into the fabric of the earth. And because of that, there is this delight and joy that happens in the world. Verse 30 and 31, he says, this is wisdom speaking. She says, I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world. God's wisdom and order and structure that he created in the world, it's a source of, of delight. It's a source of joy. There's this order to the world that's supposed to be there. The devil doesn't want you to think that. The devil wants to tell you that the way that you get joy is by doing your own thing. The the devil wants to tell you that sin is more joyous than following the rules. You know, that that somehow following God is a killjoy, but the opposite is true. True wisdom, following God, that's where there is delight and where there is joy. That section, verses 22 to 31, starts with the Lord, Yahweh, and ends in verse thirty one delights in the children of man. It starts with God and His joy, His delight is in us. We are created in His image, meant to live in this world in such a way to enjoy what He has done. There's there's an awesome connection here between what God has done and what we do. In verse verse, verse 27 and 29, uh, they're translated differently, but both times it uses this word that literally means to carve, and I think this is such a beautiful picture. Hebrew poetry is so good about this. It talks about how God carved or, or drew a circle on the face of the deep. And I had to get some help in figuring out what that means. He's, he's talking about standing at the shore and looking at the horizon, this line that God has carved out and painted, he made this line in the world. He's carved that out. Again, he says that he carved or marked out the foundations of the earth. So he's, he, God is the one, like a master craftsman, carving the world into existence. He decreed it, the world will be well-ordered and structured. He, He did it like a craftsman. He built it, he carved it out. And then back in verse 15, the word is used again, but about something we do. There it's translated decree, because the word carve would have been a reference to the way that kings, when they made a law, somebody would carve it out on a stone tablet. And so what he's saying is that God carved out the world, and our job is to be like him in this, that we seek wisdom and we carve out, we make things that are right and just and holy. When when kings make rules, when we make decisions that line up with God's carving of the world, when we are following the wisdom that God has given us, we're participating in what God has made. We are lining our lives up to what, what, what God has made in the world. We will walk wisely. We're carving out our way in the world and doing it according to His wisdom. When we do what is wise, we're reflecting His order in the world. So we're beginning to hint at a major theme in Proverbs that we'll see as we go. Verse 13 said, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. To fear the Lord, honor, reverence, respect Him. That's where wisdom is found. That's where wisdom is found. It's found in following the Lord. Again, when we turn to the New Testament, we get a clearer picture of what that looks like. Proverbs 8 tells us that wisdom was there at the foundation of the world, right? Well, so was Jesus. John 1, 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Again, 1 Corinthians 1, 30, Jesus Christ who became to us wisdom from God. We read here in Proverbs 8 that wisdom is a, like a woman who's seeking, getting our attention, calling out to us. And we turn to the New Testament and realize Jesus is the fulfillment of that wisdom. He has come to us so that we would know him. And with Jesus in mind, we read the final blessing, the final invitation of, of Proverbs 8, where she tells us blessed are those who listen to wisdom. Hear it, listen, don't forget it, don't miss it. God is trying to get your attention so that we will listen. The, the difference between wise, the wise path and the foolish path is the difference between life And death, because the difference between following Christ and not. Verse 36, she says, He who fails to find me injures himself, and all who hate me love death. Couldn't be any clearer than that. If we don't follow Christ, if we don't follow wisdom, we're on a path that leads to death. Foolishness leads to death, wisdom leads to accepting Christ. You see, walking a path of wisdom is walking in relationship with Christ himself. It's going to be a day-by-day process. You and I have so many decisions that we don't even know we have to make yet. And if we're not walking with Christ, there's no way for us to choose the path of wisdom. And the way that Jesus made that possible was a way that was infinitely wise and yet seemed so foolish. You know how he made that possible? He made that possible by coming to earth, living as a man when he had every right to stay on his throne. And in what seemed like the most foolish of foolish moves ever. He willingly was crucified. The world that says, how how foolish could this man be? You you want to talk about the king of the Jews? He can't even save himself. He's on a cross. It looked like utter foolishness. And yet, when he was put in the tomb and resurrected on the third day, everybody said, wow, that is true power. That is true wisdom. That he took on our death, our sin, The the pain and the suffering, the sorrow, the weakness, he took it on so that we could follow him in wisdom. And today we are celebrating that very act, the wisest act of all the world, that looked like foolishness when we celebrate Christ's death and his resurrection.